we are continuing in Romans. Um, we're at Romans 15. We're going to look at the, re- the rest of Romans 15 today from ch- uh, verses 20 through 33. Uh, again, as we said last week, Paul is in this kind of mode of wrapping everything up. He's ending well. Um, and he's doing this because he really wants to pave the way for his visit that he hopes to, his very first visit to the church in Rome. And these are people that are really important to him. He hasn't been there, but he's got a lot of close friendships there, and he has a great affection for the church. And he really wants to end well because he really wants this to be an encouraging time when he visits them. So he's really working towards that. Last week as he was closing, as what we looked at, we we really kind of dug into the heart of evangelism. And when we say evangelism, evangelism, what we're talking about is the work and the desire to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. What's the good news, you ask? The good news is that we are all dead in our sin before a holy God, but in his love, in his love and through his grace, he made a way for us to be saved, for us to be redeemed and restored and brought back into fellowship with him. And that's what salvation is, and that all happens through Jesus. So when we say evangelize, we're talking about doing the work of the gospel. When we say the gospel, we're talking about the good news of Jesus. And we're talking, when we say the good news of Jesus, we're saying that we were in trouble. He restored us and saved us. So just to give you, make sure that, because all those terms will kind of be used interchangeably today. So I want to be really clear on what we're talking about. So last week as we worked through this, we saw that this work of evangelism, that it takes over every, pur- every purpose of your life if you have called on Christ as Savior. If you say, He is my Lord, He's my Savior, I'm following Him. We see that this work of evangelism, it takes over, it takes over every purpose of your life. Why? Because it's part of who you are made to be in Christ. It's not just your duty, it's part of who you are, so it's quite natural. And as well, it's kind of what we prayed for with the Jacksons, the most satisfying purpose you can pursue is the one you were created for. So therefore, also, evangelism is your greatest living out this work of sharing your faith, sharing the truth of Jesus, is what is most ultimately satisfying as a life purpose. And then the last thing we saw last week was that evangelism is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of our hands, although God uses us. He is the one who actually transforms hearts, minds, and lives and and restores. Um, So it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And then the way in which we are to pursue this is a way of life where we enter in Jesus just as Jesus did so that we come alongside those that we love and want to see come to know Jesus as ones who love them, who know them, and, and, and care about them. So those were the snapshots from last week. Again, if you want more and you weren't here, feel free to go back and listen. So if you could, if you're not there, open your Bibles to Romans 15. Uh, we'll be in 20 through 33. Passages will be on the screen. Um, you can use the Version Bible app. Click on the more, click events, will pop up. You can follow along there. We have some Bibles under chairs near you if you would like that. If you don't have a Bible, please take that. That is our gift to you. So today, as we continue in this vein, Paul is still continuing. It's actually was a bit of an unnatural break last week, um, but, but we still broke there nonetheless. So it's really still, he's still making the same driving thought. So as we continue in this, I pray that we see that the, the, the work of evangelizing Jesus, spreading the good news of Jesus is, is all of our responsibility if you are a part of Jesus's church, if you follow Jesus, is all of our responsibility. It's not just a matter of, of specific gifting or role. And today we'll see all the ways that we can participate with each other in 
doing this glorious, amazing work. Like, again, think about, like, it's like, you know, I mean, it has to be really rewarding to be a doctor or a paramedic or a Coast Guard person and to be there in the moment when you see someone rescued from disaster, when you see someone's sickness uh, remedied. Right, and so you, again, like this is the opportunity. Like, that when, like when I say the most glorious and beautiful work, like that's what we're talking about. And again, if you are in Christ, just remember your own testimony. Remember your life before Christ, and let that drive us. And again, what we talked about last week, a little bit. Um, so, a couple of things as we talk about the ways in which we all get to participate in 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 doing the work of, of the gospel is first kind of this individual component. Um, while we all have areas that we naturally find ourselves being used in more, you know, being used in more than others, we all have opportunity in all of them. And, and we're going to talk through some of these categories today. So we will see that we all have more usage in some than others, but we all have opportunity in all of them. And you also may see, may see that you are used in spreading the gospel of Jesus, uh, that those ways may change over time and seasons depending on your own kind of, again, like our mission statements, that we are being transformed, being made more like Christ. So just as you are growing and maturing, that may change, or maybe because of the needs around you, they change, and so therefore you have a different opportunity, or it may be um, that your season changes of life. New babies change everything, just to come back to that. The call in your life doesn't stop, but the way that you pursue it may change, right? And so just that there's that, and then also thinking about it's important to see our lives of sharing the gospel as a collective opportunity instead of just what am I supposed to do? Yes, you are, you are important in the equation because you are necessary, but yet we, it is really helpful when I think about it to think of we are in this together. It, um, it is comforting. It is liberating. It is, it is um, also educating and so, so you are, it's not just about what you're supposed to do. It's important to connect that to how we are all doing this together. We are inexorably linked together in the effective work of spreading the love of God showed through sending his only son, Jesus. And that is, he did that to reclaim those that he dearly loved. So our motivation for today, what's our motivation for today? Love, not guilt, right? It is, it is about, just like we what we talked about last week, the, the, the purest motivation to share your faith is the grace and love you've experienced and the love that you have for that person, wanting them to experience the same. And even before all of that, the fact that you are loved by a holy God and he has invited you in. And so it is love, not guilt. Salvation, again, is a work of, of it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And again, it is not by how much work we accomplish, by how much we evangelize, if we're going to hone in to today. So God loves you. I want you all to hear this. And, you've, and we've said this before here, but God loves you because why? Because he loves you. He loves you because why? Because you are his. And every one of you sitting here today, that is a true statement for you. Every person around you in your life, that is a true statement for them. And so because this is an outworking of God's love, then there, and we see the opportunity around us, it is never ceasing, it is always present and available, and it's just something that we get to do as we breathe. And, and today, if you're not a Christ follower, I'm glad you're here, and I want, and I want to invite you to consider 
a few things today. I want you to invite you to consider just is it possible that God is good, that God is loving, and he loves you just as you are today? Is it possible? Um, also contemplate the reason that, that as you sit here and listen to, to those who call on Christ saying, we want to commit our lives to this, maybe contemplate the reason that we would commit our entire lives to this purpose. And I know it may be new language, possibly, if, you're, you know, if this is new for you, but what we just said, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone, it, what that means is that he is the one who makes us holy and innocent before God, not what we do. And so we don't get extra points for this. It doesn't make God love us anymore. It doesn't put us in any better standing before him. It doesn't put us in any better position to receive good things in this earth. Doesn't, doesn't guarantee a better car, better house, better relationship. It is an offering of love, an offering of obedience. And so again, just I want to invite you to kind of observe that and maybe think on that for a little bit. And again, what I just said to everyone, and I said applied to you, I really meant today, God loves you as you are. He loves you because you are his. He loves you because he loves you. So this call is the foundational call we talk about all the time. Love God, love people, make disciples, right? I mean, it's, that's it. So that's what we're driving at. So... Let's get to our text now, and um, it, it actually moves pretty quick today, but let's, let's go through this. We're going to read our text in full and then kind of work through it, okay? So Romans 15, 20 through, 20, uh, through 33. Here we go. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints for, the Mas for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be a service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So, so what are we called to in the heart of evangelism? What are we called to in the work of telling people about Jesus? What are we called to in striving to see people go from death to life in Christ? So that's what we're going to work through. We're going to answer those questions. So the first thing we see is evangelism calls us 
to go. The heart of evangelism calls us to go. Verse 20 says that Paul, he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not already been named. And just by process of elimination, that gives you this picture of going because if I name Jesus right here, and then I want to name Jesus again somewhere that he hasn't been named, what do I have to do? I've got to move to here. And then I name Jesus here, and that means making him known in word and deed. Then I do this. Okay, so now I want to make right the points made. So just by the nature of the statement, we see this picture of movement, of the love of God expressed in the gospel of Jesus. And so the heart of the gospel calls us to go. And Paul is saying, like, that is that is the blood that courses through my veins, that is the breath that goes through my lungs, that that, that is my desire, it is my ambition, it's his overtaking of his life. And I will say, Paul had a very unique call on him. He was an apostle. He was an apostle. Uh, he, he was one who was sent as a messenger. He had a very unique calling. And I would not say that all of us are meant to express exactly like Paul did. We are not all, well, none of us are apostles in the strict sense in that those who walked and met Jesus, but we are apostles. We have an apostolic call in our life to be messengers of Jesus, and some will be, um, and, and so with that, it's not for all of us, but there are those that are meant to be that kind of that apostolic kind of impulse driver amongst us, and this is what we're talking about today of of all of our opportunities and how they all come together in doing the work of the gospel. And so there are those that are meant to be that apostolic impulse of being sent out. They're the ones who, the, the, you know, they're the tip of the spear. I don't know if you ever watch football, but in kickoffs, there's this, often this formation they run called the wedge. And they'll kick it down the middle, and then all the guys running will get into this wedge. And this guy right here, he is the insane guy, literally. Like he, you know, he's always going to have the reputation of just throwing caution to the wind, doesn't care about what happens to his body, and his job is just to run as fast as he can and hit the first guy he gets to as hard as he can and just to break it open so the rest of the team can get in. Does that make sense? We can try it afterwards if you want, all right? I'm not the wedge, okay? I'll be the guy who the wedge hits maybe just to... Anyway, so, but the picture's there. We need those. There are those in the body of Christ that are called out to be the ones who lead the way into life and culture. And then what do they do? They call the rest of us to where they are. They invite us in to come in to where they are. So that is some of our opportunities. And so with this, you know, he says, we talked about this building on others' foundations. Guys, we're not just interested in growing our church large. We're okay with growing. We want to see us grow through reaching people with the love of God in Christ and seeing people come into faith and join into gospel fellowship and grow together and then sending them out. We want to be just this kind of this conduit of, of this work of grace of people coming in and being built up and sent out. But we're not interested in just growing large. And I'll tell you, like the fastest way and the easiest way to grow a church large is to make it a place that Christians have just liked to be. Right, just kind of that we're catering to it being an entertaining place for, for Christian taste. Like, we want to be a loving place. We want to exhibit again the character of Christ. But that's that's not our our concern. Is not just being kind of a recreational engagement place for Christians. There are wonderful big churches that engage gospel ministry well. Just to be really clear, say a quick caveat, so we're not like drawing 
false lines. But just saying, like, to make sure our motives are clear, our hope and prayer is that we are a people that love well, that live out who we have been made to be in Jesus, and that we live lives that are inviting to those who have not decided to follow Jesus, that we would invite them to come and join in on our journey as we pursue what it is to follow Christ today as ones who are being transformed. And so, yes, we need, there are those that are meant to be the tip of the spear. But to be clear, we're, again, we're all sent because as part of our identity in John 17, 18, Jesus said as he's praying for the disciples he was sitting with, as well as he says, for all those that will come after, which includes those of us in here that have called on Christ. So this is a prayer for us. He said in John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them. So we are all sent, right? We, we, we hit this a lot. Like you, you have an opportunity for mission today. Wherever your feet are, look down. That's your mission field. You are sent. To be sent out is not a graduation step. It's not, a, it's not something that only the mature do. It is something that you are given in the moment that you are brought into the fold through Jesus. And so, again, as part of all of our daily life, even though there are those who will have that unique calling to go. And so we're all sent because Jesus tells us that we are sent in him. And we saw that those we lead to Christ are thank offerings unto God. You know, we talked about in 12.1 that we are living sacrifices. And so when we see people come to Christ and now their life is now a living offering unto God, the work of being a part of that with them they be, Paul says last week that they are his thank offering, like unto God, like out of my affection for God, it is my joy. And like these people that I get to be a part of somehow seeing come to know Christ, that's part of my work of adoration and offering to God. So we talked about that last week and we see this coming here. So we have much to be thankful for. So again, this drives all of us. And, this, and if the work of going and reaching unreached people was only for a few. Think of the blessing we would all be missing out in. And last week, as we talked about it, we saw it was for everybody. And so again, we, we have this opportunity that we are all sent. So, but yet, we get to come alongside who have that unique calling. So how can Paul say he, he has no work left, right? And we kind of touched on this like we, last week. He says it in verse 23. He's like, now that I'm done here in this region, I'm freed up to come to you. I wanted to come a lot, but because there was so much work to be done, I couldn't come. But now I'm done. The work of the gospel here, as far as I'm concerned, that I have a part in is done. So how can he say that? We said this last week. It's not that every person has heard of Christ. It's not that every person has called on Christ. It is that every population center kind of has faithful Christ followers living there as the church with faithful elders leading those church to a degree that he knows that those churches will carry the purpose of Jesus forward in making disciples in those regions. So it's a great call to every person, every Christ follower being a disciple maker, every disciple maker being a missionary with a mission filled to claim, and that resulting in planting churches. Maybe you've heard that talked about a lot these days. It is not a church growth model. It's an outworking of disciple making that people are naturally gathered together in a unifying work of the Holy Spirit and God's truth as people gathered in faith in Jesus. And through that, we see a need for churches, and churches are the greatest way to get the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth, which is a great picture of that. So that's how Paul can say that. So because we're all sent as part of who we are, we all have the opportunity to break new ground for the gospel every day in our lives with the people around us. 
That's why this year we're calling us to, to be prayerful and purposeful towards, towards seeing every street reached, where we can say that our streets this year, our hallways, if you lived in an apartment this year, is experienced gospel saturation where every man, woman, and child has an encounter with the gospel of Jesus in word and deed every day. That we can say that because we see an opportunity there that's right here, right in front of you. That's why we commit to live in biblical community as one of our values because it is as we build one another up that we are also, um, again, healthy and, and expressing the heart of God and giving a picture of Jesus and why we commit to live missionally. That means on, on purpose uh, to, to live out what Jesus came to do. We commit to that uh, to the community around us. So we all have that opportunity to break new ground, but we also, like I said earlier, need those that will break new ground in new cultures and new geographies. So go, please go, whenever you can, wherever you can. Cross over the lines of comfort, cross over the lines of what is familiar into the possibility of seeing the gospel of Jesus transform lives. You could be a part of that. What a joy. We have people in our midst that have been called out that have responded to the call to go to new regions and new cultures. Justin Fountain was part of our planting community. He is now, he, he was a missionary in country in Cuba, but now he's uh, working from stateside, but still working as a missionary in Cuba. Um, and a great update with that, we'll, we'll save the update. Um, Lauren Turnham, I mean, fresh off the press, right? I mean, like the Lord has been stirring in her and and I, and I think I'm okay to like speak openly, right? Like that our days are numbered with Lauren. Like the Lord has obviously called her out and we have a future day of gospel, joyful, sad tears where she is going to be going as the Lord leads to a foreign people in a foreign land. And we love you. And we're grateful for that testimony. And uh, we have mission partners. Like our mission partners are pictures of this and that's why we partner with them to allow us to be a part of that. And this is also one of the main reasons we do short-term mission trips is so that we could go and be exposed and possibly be called out. And for most people that go to foreign cultures and foreign lands, that's where it starts. Somehow they're exposed. Somehow their heart is broken and they're stirred up. And so that's why we do that. So we also want to invite you to join in with others. Again, that's why we do short-term trips, to join in with them. But also just thinking right here, we have people that live this way amongst our city. Our city is diverse, and there's opportunities to go to new cultures and new geographies right here. And I think about Megan Reedy. I think about John and Rena Lachansky. I think about Rudy and Diana Segura. I think about Denise Yee. I think about Matt and Lori Stevens, Dave Tenhave and Isaiah House. All of, and there's so many more, but those people, I mean, they just come to mind. And if you want to, if, if you're like at this place where maybe you're not the initiator or you're still trying to understand all this, go jump in with them. They would love that. Dave Tenhave, every Monday night at Isaiah House, plenty of opportunity. And Megan Reedy, just again, always sending out invites. Come join me hanging out with my neighbors. These people do it well, so we want to join in well. So evangelism calls us to go. Let's keep moving. So verses 25 through 28, we see that Paul is planning on going to Jerusalem to deliver a collection he's gathered from predominantly Gentile churches. And when you read through this, you kind of feel like this is like a, a quick caveat because he's like talking big purpose and it's like mission and then it's like traveling plans and some clerical work it feels like. And then he kind of gets back to heart prayer stuff. But this is really important too. 
So as we think about this, you know, we're not exactly sure why the church in Jerusalem was impoverished um, at this moment. There's mention in Acts that there was a famine in Jerusalem, and that may be why. We don't exactly know why, but we know that they were in great, like, tangible need. And so the, we saw this picture of the church, the capital C church, being, being compelled and raised up to support the work. And so if evangelism calls us to go, evangelism, the work of the gospel, also calls us to give. It calls us to give. We give in all sorts of ways. We give, we give of our, these kind of these common three T's, right? Our time, our talent, and our treasures. And when you think of, of going, of the going of the gospel from above, we see how important the giving of our time and our talents are. And you know, and it's interesting how we have this, this tension on both sides. There are people that are really good at giving talent and time, but not great at giving treasure. There are some people that are not great at giving their time or their talent, but they're really good at, at giving their treasure. And we want to see there's an opportunity for all of these, for all of us. And so here, Paul specifically, he focuses on the giving of our treasure. It is through um, all of these things, share time and share talents, that we build each other up and we build, and we build each other up for the purpose of being ready for God-glorifying God, God kingdom work. But as he calls us to give financially, he's, he's very much bringing us in to this common identity. Um, we, we see this picture of local congregations caring for each other, where generosity and sacrificially uh, caring for one another was so normal that it was as if they had all things in common. We see this in Acts 2, 44 and 45. It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is not socialism. It's not, it's not equalizing. It's just that there was such a generosity and a, an understanding that we are family and we're responsible for one another. It was as if they had all things in common. There was a duty to give, but they were pleased. We see that here. So, so you know, so as we see this picture in the, in the local church, we now see it extended to the capital C church as, though, as all one who are under one head past. We see Paul take this, what we see in this picture of this local congregation and now bringing it to the capital C church as all who are under one head pastor. And that's, that's Jesus, right? And so notice the motivation of giving in 27. It says, for they were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. So there was a duty to give for sure a sense of responsibility, but, but, but what else do you see? They were pleased. They were pleased to give. The, the owing it did not take away the pleasure, the responsibility, the assumption did not take away the pleasure. Why? Because the spiritual blessings that, 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 were due, that, that they've experienced, right? Because we think about specifically in this context, he's speaking to a predominantly Gentile church in the churches of Macedonia and Achaia. They were Gentile churches. And again, to quickly give definitions, uh, at this time, there were basically two categories of people for, for the audience. It is the people of Israel and everyone else. So it was people of Israel and the Gentiles, right? And so we see, and, and Jesus came up from, from the original covenant of the people of Israel. And we, you know, we may call that Old Covenant, New Covenant. Um, but we see that Jesus came up through that. So they received the blessing of Jesus that came from Israel. And he's saying, hey, you've received that blessing. 
And now, doesn't it make sense that you would also share in being a material blessing to them because of the great grace and joy you've experienced? So we see a compelling case for why we love inviting you to give here. We, we don't do it to build our kingdom, to build our name. Prayerfully, and, and we commit to this, prayerfully we, we invite you to give to further gospel ministry. And whatever we ask you to give to, that's what we are committing to do. Yeah. We're a family charged to care for and equip one another uh, through generosity and sacrificial support of one another. That happens both in the personal lives as well as organizationally. And also, if you partake in the spiritual blessing of being a part, that's both personally and organizationally, it should be quite natural to invest in it out of, out of kind of gratitude, right? And for your own good and the good of those around you. So we're unashamedly, we invite you as the Lord leads you, please do that. This, also, this is also why we give much of our money to, to ministry outside of our walls. So foundationally, we must see this here. We do not owe others for any other reason than what we have experienced in Christ, than what we owe Jesus, right? And we don't owe Jesus anything to repay him because we can't. It is because we've experienced so much grace and sacrificial generosity from Jesus and how he gave all, holding nothing back for us, that God will con- and, that, and knowing that God will continuous, uh, continue to give generously, that we are compelled to do the same. So I, I encourage you, let your giving be a work of grace. Uh, I pray for a sense of responsibility to give, and, and that it would also well up in your hearts that that sense of responsibility, just like we see here, doesn't drown out the pleasure of giving. And so we want to so invite you to engage in that. If you're not giving at all, and this is your church, or if the Lord leads today, maybe pray about just giving something. If that's where you're at, you know, maybe pray about making it regular and like making it a consistent kind of posture of discipline. If that's where you're at, you know, maybe the opportunity is to say, hey, am I giving sacrificially? So we, we encourage you to those, thing, to those things. We trust the way that the Lord leads you, and so we invite you to do that as the Lord leads, as he compels, being that it is a work of grace that wells up within. So please don't feel guilt or, or manipulation. Like just We want to invite you into that because it's, again, for your good, our good, and God's glory. Your giving here truly does support ministry from here to the ends of the earth. In the next month, you'll hear from one of our ministry partners, Lee, and his wife who do work in Bali. Um, We've been giving towards Justin Fountain in Cuba. One of the specific things we've been giving for is towards uh, getting a building for a church plant and an extension of Southern Seminary, uh, which you have to have a building to be able to do that legally. We want to do it legally so we can stay there with the gospel. They were, we were trying to raise $200,000. We've been partnering with that as of this week. That is fully funded, and they're purchasing the land. So that's really, really exciting. Yes, worth applauding for sure. So just to let, like, you've been a part of that. Like, you have. You've, part of our operating is, but part of our operating budget's gone to that. If you've been here, you know that parts of our special offering have gone to that. So you've been a part of, of the gospel work in Cuba. Um, so, um, so, so we, we joyfully want to give to support the evangelistic work of each other in the church as we see opportunity. So evangelism calls us to go, and it calls us to give. And lastly, we see that evangelism, the heart of evangelism, calls us to pray. Romans 15, 30-32 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed 
in your company. So what was Paul striving for? He was striving to see people come to know the love of God through their salvation in Christ. So he says, please join in praying with me as I strive for this. Paul is inviting them to participate in his work of evangelizing the lost, of bringing the love of Christ to the world by praying. And so committing to pray for those who are living this out next to you every day, as well as across the ends of the earth, brings you into concert of their work. It brings you into partnership by praying for him, by praying for them. They are participating. And when we do that for one another, again, we are linked together. We are, we are bound together. So, so, we, so, so, where do, so what, are we, what are we to pray for when we pray for this? We're to pray for those doing the work of spreading the gospel of Jesus, and we're to pray for those that need to hear and know the gospel of Jesus. Why? Like, why do we see those two things? Because the work is costly and tiring. If you think about what I was saying Paul's been doing, he's been trying to wrap up well. If you look at what he said last week, he's like, hey, I want to be really clear. Like, I know you, and I can vouch for you. And these words, I've spoke some hard words, but they're much more about reminding you than it is about admonishing you. So, and then he's seen like, hey, like, I got some hard things ahead, and I really, I want to be a blessing when I come to you. We're going to talk about this some more next week, but what we see here is that it's hard. He is filling the press of life, right? Do you see that in here? We must remember those that are leading the way and engaging the world for Christ every day. Let's be prayerful. Let's spiritually act as spiritual activists for them and pray for them. And invite people to pray for you as you do the same. The other reason we see to pray for those that, that would hear the gospel and know Jesus is because we have to pray because the work is supernatural. When we are praying, we are admitting that it's beyond us, that we are dependent. And so this is a supernatural work. Only God through the Holy Spirit can turn a heart. We don't get to change people. We don't. That's why we say we commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God, because I, I don't get to change anyone. I get to pursue Jesus, invite people in, and prayerfully they'll encounter him as, as we do that together, and he will do that wonderful transforming work. We need God's hand to bring salvation. None of us can do it on our own. Not one of us. It doesn't matter how slick, how smart, how bold you are. You cannot do it. We must pray for those who do not know Jesus. We must pray for those that are engaging them prayerfully every day in our homes, neighborhoods, work, and where, and where we play, but also for those that are going. So Paul, Paul closes with this loving pastoral prayer that we should all pray. And I love that, again, and we're going to talk about this more next week, but knowing where he was at emotionally and mentally to see that he still had this heart of a brother, this heart of a pastor, for them, that he prayed, may the God of peace be with you all. I marvel that he could pray that prayer. I marvel that he could think about others when all he was doing was pouring himself out to, to just absolute empty. And he could only pray that prayer because he abides with the God of peace, because he has the peace that surpasses all understanding that can only come in Christ. So if today your world is in chaos, if today you can't imagine thinking about anything else except for your next breath or that next thing, I want to invite you to consider the God of peace is real right now. He wants you to know his peace in the midst of every trial, and he has made that possible through the work of Jesus. 
through his grace and his mercy that you don't have to measure up, that you cannot measure up, that Jesus measured up for you. Jesus makes you whole. He makes you, he makes you right before God and he restores that relationship. And if you want to have any chance of, of living for the glory of God, living out your purpose in, in, in season and out, in times of plenty and times of famine, in times of ease and times of difficulty, God has to be your peace in Christ Jesus. That's our opportunity. We get to praise God. Like we get to do this in grace. Praise God. God says, hey, anytime you see yourself lacking, come to me and ask, and I will respond without shaming you. We get so wrapped up in am I doing it right and am I doing enough, whether it's evangelizing, whether it's, whether it's not sinning, like, right? like whether it's just pornography or selfishness or greed or whatever, or whether it's praying enough, whether it's your quiet times, like all these things, like reading, you know, t- reading the Bible. We, we always process through guilt, and it's like, God, I took your guilt away. There's peace between me and you because of Jesus, and that peace is everlasting, it's unconditional as far as what you do because of what Jesus did. We need that peace. So may the, God, may the God of peace be with you all. Let me pray. God, we give you our hearts and our lives where we ask you for understanding of this truth today. Where we ask you for a transformed mind and a transformed will and a transformed life, life all through Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would see each of our opportunities to, to there are those that should go to new cultures and new geographies, should be the tip of the spear of the work of the gospel. And Lord, as they go, may they go with, with courage and boldness and humility, but also inviting the rest of the church to come alongside. I pray that we would also be mindful to come alongside, to know that it's lonely. Listen to Paul's words. Lord, and I pray that we would all see our opportunities every day As Jesus was sent, we are sent. That each day we would see an opportunity to break new ground for the gospel. Um, And I pray that we would also be compelled to give of our time, our talents, and our treasure in very real, joyful, and sacrificial ways. And that we would all be compelled to pray with this heart of dependency on you, presiding and residing and abiding in, in our fellowship with you, the God of peace. So Lord, we love you. We surrender all to you. Continue to work in this time of communion. In Jesus' name. Amen.